welcome to Conversations in Equine Science. My name is Kate Acton and I'm joined by Nancy McLean. And this is the podcast where we take research from the equine industry and we try to make it accessible to horse owners and enthusiasts. Remember, though, each horse is an individual. So with that in mind, you should always seek professional advice before trying to implement any research we might discuss. This week, we are going to take a look at a study by Anna Ewan um, et al. And it's reported behavioural differences between geldings and mares challenge sex-driven stereotypes in ridden equine behaviour. And this was a really nice study, actually. Very interesting because I think me and Nancy had the same opinion that what we thought might come of it um, wasn't the case. So um, it's a nice one for a discussion. But for this study they carried out a survey and the survey was sent out to horse enthusiasts so 75% of which had over eight years experience in riding so they determined that when the survey came back and the current study basically wanted to analyze reported sex-related behavioral differences in ridden and non-ridden horses so when we look at research, if it's reported, then, you know, we're taking this essentially in this case from the owner or from the um, horse enthusiast that rides. So their opinions, really. And there was 1,233 responses and the respondents reported on the behavior of their horses using a questionnaire. And then the questionnaires were looked at and divided up basically to see you know, what was specific to mares and what was specific to geldings and see what kind of traits they could pull out of that. And overall, they did find that riders much prefer geldings over mares and over stallions as well. So geldings are the preferred. Um, But the research actually showed that there's no real, there's no real reason behind it other than just personal preference and maybe you know, we've stereotyped over the years. Yeah, I I think we have. I even have been guilty of stereotyping mares as being more sensitive than geldings. And the whole reason for this research was because when you have a preconceived stereotype in your mind about a mare, filly, versus a gelding, um, and versus a stallion, you tend to uh, create welfare implications. And some of them might include using harsher training methods. Um, You might instill the fear response we've been talking about for the last few weeks. And then that will create horse wastage or a horse not being usable because of behavior problems. So it was really surprising to me that there was no evidence of sex-related differences. And um, I was guilty of thinking there was. I thought the same thing. I would have always in my head thought, oh, that's just a narky mayor. You know, mayors, they're just moody and all these things. And it turns out certainly there are some differences when they're not ridden. But when they're ridden, they couldn't find any specific differences. They did say more research needs to be carried out um, more in depth and maybe, you know, some experimental studies where 
they can actually control it. It's not just um, survey or questionnaire. But even, I firstly, I found it um, interesting that punishment could increase when, you know, the mayor may not actually be any more difficult than a gelding would be in the same situation, but we perceive them to be more difficult just because they're a mayor. So that really fascinated me that people might actually punish them more. But even the study found that if mayors are ridden less sympathetically um, or even trained less effectively than geldings, their behavior under the saddle still does not reflect an undesirable behavior specific to their sex, if that makes sense. So, you know, they might have this adversity from our bias, but they'll still ride the same way a gelding would. So I thought that was quite interesting. Yeah, and, and I know for sure in racing, we don't really have a preference for gender, whether it's a Philly mare or gelding, our colt that's running. I just know at times we manage him differently. And the main um, physiological management is estrus in the mares and fillies. And that was what came out of this is, yeah, that's the only thing that really needs to be managed a little differently. And I know for racing, we do tend to use regimate if a filly or mare is uh, hard to manage during her estrus cycle. And would you find them any more different now that, you know, you have ponies as well? Would you find them any more difficult? Just the fact that they're hot-headed racehorses, thoroughbreds, would that just kind of throw more of a spanner in the works? Because I know when we used to have, um, when we used to be at the riding school, the mayors would be fine if they were in heat and we were doing like lessons in the arena. But it was when we went out to do cross country that they started to get really flighty and much more difficult to control. Yeah, um, the main thing on the track is when they're running and they're in estrus, um, some of them have such a high hormone amount that it affects that they want to lean on things. So when you go to saddle them, they're a little more difficult at times to saddle. Um, They maybe want to lean on the, the side rails of the saddling stalls. Also, what's problematic is if you get a a really bad one that wants to lean in the starting gate, because you always want them to be on all four feet ready to go when those gates open. And um, so the ones that would be problematic and it would be maybe where they could get injured um, or injure someone trying to saddle them or a jockey in the starting gate, then we would give them the progesterone. Um, Over here, the brand name is Regimate, and it would seem to prevent them from going into estrus or a heat. I'm sure. Yeah, I'm sure that's what we have in the UK and Ireland as well, because it rings a bell. Um, But yeah, I thought as well, what was interesting in this one is it did say that so in racing, as you've said, they're not favored one way or the other. So equally, you see, you know, mayors or geldings, but they're favored for polo. And it didn't go into why. And I, I just wondered what it was about that, that they thought mayors were more suited. Well, um, 
from being on the track, I would have polo buyers come through and inquire if we had any small fillies or mares, and preferably over the age of four. Um, they usually will begin using a mare on the polo field around the age of four or five. So um, they want them to be like 15.3 hands high or lower, um, but they don't want them, you know, smaller than like 14.3. So they won't use a true pony. But um, the reason that they always told me they preferred the fillies or mares is because they have more heart and they respond better, which kind of goes against what you always have thought about fillies and mares. And then um, the other reason um, they could breed them. So if they're really, really good on the polo field, when they retire them, they can breed them and their offspring are more valuable as polo ponies. So they tend to sell the colts and keep the fillies in those breeding arrangements. And then that's how, especially in Argentina, they develop those breeding lines, which normally are thoroughbred or thoroughbred cross. So that's how the mares, I've heard of a lot of geldings, such as stormcat offspring that are like 15-3 to four, you know, lower than 15.3 hands high, um, do as well on the polo field. So I just think it's kind of individual, but I do know they come through the barns looking for fillies and mares for polo. I think that's incredible because that kind of backs up what this is saying. You know, we have this bias from our experience or, you know, whatever industry we're in uh, mine being very leisurely but you know looking at looking at mares and thinking they're more difficult and then in the polo industry they have potentially this bias that mares are easier yeah. to work with and you know this has said this study has said there seems to be no difference when they're being ridden so it really is just what our preferences that's coming into play yeah and they always said the mares have much more heart that if you get too tough on a gelding, they give up, they won't compete. So I just, that would be a whole research study in itself. However, it, I think that depends a lot on the rider and the trainer that you kind of know that point, that tipping point that you should never cross, whether it's a gelding or mare to, you know, build confidence versus tear it down. Yeah. And I think that is, you know, it comes back to the kind of terminology we use. I think we've mentioned this before, but, you know, we always use the term breaking horses, Mm -hmm. um, which really, you know, it it sounds a bit cheesy when I say it now, but we should be building them um, and building, you know, their character. And I thought it was nice in this actually that it distinguished A horse's temperament is the innate response by the nervous system, whereas a horse's personality is something that they learn over their lifetime. And I just thought that was, you know, it really does go back to that nature versus nurture. You know, they have so much that's ingrained in them, but it's how we actually create that environment for them because we're in that position to create their environment. Yeah, I I thought, I think that too. We 
every time we interact with a horse, we're teaching it something. Even if it's going in their stall to brush them, how we respond to what they do and, you know, they respond to us as well, that is training them. So a lot of people kind of let things slide unless they're riding and you know you're constantly every minute with the horse you're conveying something to them yeah my horse learns how to open gates um which I think is fairly common for ponies to pick up how to do yeah (laughs) but at the time she was in a riding school and they had huge like huge paddocks so all the horses were out all year round none of them were stables because they were Connemara's and she figured out how to open the gates. So if you didn't put, you know, a bent over nail through the little hole, she would open it. And I used to think she was really intelligent, but she would just watch people opening the gate all day and be like, oh, all I have to do is push that out of the way. And there's been studies done that have shown that horses can learn how to open like various things from watching humans do it. So You know, they don't just take cues from their own species. They take so many cues from us, which we know from training them. But I think, as you were saying, you just forget about all the little things you do that they see you doing. And they, they, you know, can pick up on things. They're so much more cognitive. Um, I guess I should say they have more cognitive ability than what we give them credit for. And um, I wanted to add that out of 151 traits, they could only come up with 11 in statistical testing that had a p-value that was low enough to kind of correlate with their data. And out of those 11, one of them was undoes gates. But the uh, sex that came out able to do it better were geldings. So your mare, your wow. little mare might be special there, Kate. You know? <laughs> she might be a bit smarter <laughs> than I gave her credit for. Yeah, but I went through that list of 11 and really the conclusion came down with just three of, out of the 11 because the statistical testing um, was, you know, pretty much conclusive for those three traits. It was somewhat inconclusive for the other eight. So they really did a very complicated statistical analysis on all these traits and it's very in-depth. So um, we won't bore you with that part of it, but they really did take so many observations and you know, put variables with them, such as um, gender, and then characteristic, and then age. And they came out that as an age, as a mare ages, she gets more difficult at times for being caught in the pasture. But a gelding, as he ages, he doesn't chew on things as much. So chewing on lead ropes, chewing on uh, blankets, that seemed to subside with age. So it was really interesting the way they had so many variables that they were comparing that how they they could even come up with three that were pretty conclusive is amazing. 
Yeah. And I think people, if you're not, you know, research minded or even, you know, if you are into research, I think it's really once you carry out research that you understand the ins and outs of how, you know, how much of a minefield statistics can be. But I think to the everyday person, if you heard, you know, they tested 151 things and only three were really specifically conclusive, you would think that's, you know, what a waste of time, what a failure. But that actually shows how rigid and, you know, controlled the statistical analysis was. So it actually shows how in-depth they went to narrow it down because in 151 questions on a questionnaire, you can easily find a comparison between every single one of them. So it's as Nancy said, it's when you bring in other variables, you know, okay, older horses always did this, but then is it older horses and the fact they're geldings? Is it older horses and the fact they're mares? Or is it just older horses? Because then that knocks that off the list because we're looking for specifically something that's different between mares and geldings. Yeah, and so I think it does just kind of reinforce how much work goes into, you know, a study that does come out with three specific items. Yeah, they even included coat color and um, they ended up tossing that out altogether because that really didn't um, make a difference in the final analysis. But um, it was incredible that they came upon those three three items. And, um, you know, it was really a good read to go through their process of determining this. And the three items, again, so one was that mayors are more likely to move away when you try and catch them. Um, geldings are more likely to chew. And they found, so they're more likely to chew either lead ropes or um, their rugs or other, was it, did they see if they chewed other horses' rugs or just their own? They couldn't uh, figure out if some of them were trying to do um, grooming to one another because they had found out in the wild colts tend to do more grooming of one another than fillies and when these some of the geldings were actually gelded they were young horses so they were never allowed to get to true sexual maturity so they felt like sometimes geldings are acting like colts because that's the point that they were gelded at so they couldn't determine if it was in a trying to aloe groom or they were just playing i call it reindeer games and wrestle <laughs> one another grab one another's coats and all that so i kind of took it as it was chewing on a conspecifics coat or a herd mate's coat. And they said that as well, that, you know, colts, when they play with each other, that is different to how fillies will play with each other. So colts will, you know, nip or chew at each other and they'll wrestle, whereas fillies will more often than not just chase each other yeah. to play. And that's so it's I do see that with my own herd of mares and geldings the the fillies and mares and will be more runners and chasers and the geldings they will break leather halters wrestling one another they'll tear rugs 
or blankets. I mean, it's like they're so mouth oriented. Just causing mayhem. Yeah. Uh, always. <laughs> you know, I think the one takeaway out of this is we should treat our horses as individuals and not really put those stereotypes on them and try to keep an open mind. They're a blank page and let's treat them all equally until they prove us otherwise. Yeah, because they, I mean, ultimately they have said now sex doesn't play a role. And that even confirmed an earlier study that was done in 2009 by McGreevy. So, you know, it's just more evidence that we should be focusing on them as an individual. And they even said that maybe that is why geldings were showing this chewing behavior, because this only happened when they were tied up. And they said, maybe we're tying our geldings up more or leaving them tied for longer because in our heads, you know, they're more calm and more reliable. Yep. Yep. I don't, you know, I, th I do know my geldings when I'm even leading them with the bridle on, sometimes the one will reach the chew on the reins. And, yeah. you know, it's like he does it all the time. And so, um, and he used to do it on the racetrack too. He would reach over while you're trying to lead him and grab that rope. So um, I can see where that would be. They're much more mouthy than what any of my fillies have ever been. Yeah, I think it was just really fascinating. And when you said that there, that did just click with me. Because I remember my mare never did that. But some of the ponies growing up would always chew on the reins. I had completely forgotten that memory. Oh, it drives me crazy because I clean my tack. And then he ends up with it in his mouth if I'm not careful. You know, yeah. but anyway, um, well, I think we've tied this up pretty neat that, hey, treat your horse as an individual. Um, there are some conclusive um, observations between geldings and mares, but for the most part, uh, when it comes to being ridden and overall, they're individuals. And um, for next week, we have an interview podcast, and we're going to be interviewing uh I guess we could call him a movie star, a jockey, a trainer. He was an assistant trainer for D. Wayne Lucas, who is a high profile trainer in the United States. And um, he just went out on his own as a trainer, won his first race, I believe won his second race and just got a um, second place finish in his third race. So he's kind of on fire. He's from Louisiana and his name is Keith Austin. So we're going to interview him and get a few perspectives from him on his longevity in the horse racing industry. Amazing. I'm really excited to get to talk to Keith next week. Well, he's a character, so put your seatbelt on, you know. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, thanks so much, everyone. I want to make a shout out to Dylan, Shannon, 
He sent a nice email to us. He enjoys the podcast. And, um, you know, that's always encouraging when we have people send us a note. So if there's anything research-wise you want us to cover, a topic, it doesn't have to be research. Just tell us a topic and we'll do the research. Uh, send us an email or a message. And, um, to, hey, if you want to support us, hit that support button on our homepage. Fab. And we'll talk to you next week. Okay. Bye-bye. Thanks, Kate, for joining in. Take care. Bye.